This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Oh! 
You know, when I was a very small kid, I never really cared how much my Christmas presents had cost, right? When you're really small, you don't, you don't really get the value of money. I remember there was a really sweet little period in my life. I was the oldest. I had two little sisters. And uh, there was this really sweet little period in my life where I figured out that I could go to my sisters with my piggy bank and uh, trade them nickels for dimes because the nickels were bigger. You know, and uh, that didn't last very long because, you know, I didn't get the value of the dimes until I was a certain age. And then my sisters caught on pretty quick and uh, I got spanked again. Um, I got spanked pretty much every night before bed at that age. But uh, it's like, you know, Bible story, prayers, drink of water, spanking, go to bed. And that's the stage Jack's in now. So, I'm kidding. Just, okay. Don't call Child Protective Services. I know some of you have them on speed dial, but. Um, by the way, I was, I was just, uh, I, I saw this little guy ranting on YouTube uh, last night uh, about the worst Christmas songs of all time. And uh, I happen to kind of like the song, The Little Drummer Boy, because. I play the drums occasionally, and so I like the song. But one of the things he he listed in his worst Christmas songs of all time was he goes, what, what what's the little drummer boy all about? He's like, it tries to make it seem like playing a drum solo next to a newborn infant is a commendable thing rather than cause for a visit from Child Protective Services. And uh, yeah, maybe he has a point there, but I still like the song. But... Um, but yeah, when I was a little kid, I never cared really how much my Christmas presents had cost. And in fact, I liked that uh, my mom made a, a homemade stick horse. You know what a stick horse is? Just a stick with a little stuffed horse head on it. And you can ride it, you know? And you'd tear around the house at top speed and knock the back end of the stick into things and get more spankings probably. But, um, but I probably liked that homemade stick horse that my mom made for probably, I don't know, maybe she had $10, $15 worth of materials in it. But, you know, I, I probably liked that a lot better than the fancy remote control semi-truck I got a few few years later. I thought I was really excited about that semi-truck at first until I figured out how hard it was to back the thing, you know, and w- when you're doing it on remote control, it's even harder. And, uh, you know, and I never tried to figure out how much my presents cost compared to my sister's presents. I know there's kids that do that. Like they, they you know, they'll look it up and, and use a calculator and figure it up. But one reason that I wasn't too concerned about the value of my Christmas presents is that we, we, ba- we didn't spend very much at all on Christmas. Uh, not near as much as, as most families did. Um, and I, I'm not sure, but I'd estimate that my parents spent maybe $20 per kid on us total at Christmas time. You know, we'd have one sort of bigger gift and then a couple little stocking things. But the main thing we did at Christmas was we would, you know, go to Grandma's house or, uh, you know, get get together with, with the Big McGeehee family, things like that. And uh, then, you know, my, my dad really believed in taking these long car trips in the summer, and so he would save his money for those long road trips where my sisters and I would fight in the back of the car and then more spankings would happen. But uh, we didn't spend a lot on Christmas. And 
you know, I didn't, I didn't, uh, I didn't complain about that until one year. I think I was maybe nine or ten, and my friend Brian got a bike and a skateboard on the in the same Christmas. And um, you know, by then I was old enough to kind of figure up value of things. And I knew that a bike was at least a hundred dollars because I'd been saving my money for that. And uh, then he got a skateboard too, and I think I thought that was pretty spendy. And uh, so I went to my dad, and I was like, well, Brian got a bike and a skateboard, and I just got, I don't remember what I got, but it was something small. And uh, my dad said, my dad said, you know, there's some families that just, they make the decision to spend a lot on Christmas, and we just don't do that. You know, we, we do a different route. He kind of explained it to me. And uh, I'm glad my parents didn't spend a ton of money on us. I'm glad that um, I don't have a heritage of, of uh going deep into debt for Christmas. Um, because really what my dad was trying to explain to me was that instead of a whole bunch of money spent on gifts, my parents were giving us time together. You know, they were giving us themselves instead of the gifts. Um, if you, have you heard of the five love languages? It's this famous best-selling book. And one of the love languages is gifts. I figured out that that's one of my love languages. I'm, I'm serious here. I'm not trying to be like, you know, like Pastor Joe does sometimes where he tries to get you guys to give us chocolate. And I would never do anything like that. Chocolate chip cookies are way better anyway. And uh, my office is the third one in there. Um, but one of my love languages is gifts. And that's giving more, uh, just as much or more than receiving. Um, and specifically giving uh, merino wool socks, which I know that's really weird. But that's if you ever get a gift of merino wool socks from me, then you know that I, you know, you basically better write it down. Jim actually genuinely loves me, and yeah, I may never tell you that because I'm really weird about saying I love you. Okay, I'm yeah, that's I, I don't say it. So if I ever say that, or if I ever give you merino wool socks, just be on notice that I do love you, and until further notice, that's how it is. But one of my one of my love languages is gifts, and uh, I've, I've realized that um, that I need to you know adjust my thinking because some sometimes I've wanted to give somebody a, a really lavish, expensive gift that I really couldn't afford, and would have been kind of weird too because then they would have been like, I didn't get anything like this, you know. And so I got to be careful about that. But the best gift, really, besides stuff, I mean. Stuff is not nearly as good a gift as giving yourself, right? As giving your time, giving your your love, your presence, your yeah, yourself. And uh, you know, many of you, I realize, did not grow up with a family with a, a mom and dad who gave you themselves. And I'm not trying to rub that in here. I'm not trying to. I didn't do anything to deserve the parents that I had. Um, all the dumb things that I've done in my life, I don't have the excuse that I had terrible parents, you know? Um, I, I, I realize I didn't do anything to deserve that. And I'm not trying to rub that in if you, if you didn't have that experience growing up. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, this one phrase, thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. And what he's talking about there is not a thing. What he's talking about is who? His son. Himself. His son, Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God for His 
indescribable gift. The gift God gave us was Himself. And seven centuries before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said that one of His names would be the song they just sang, Emmanuel, God with us. Or more literally, it means right here between and around us God. Eugene Peterson calls Him the God who moved into the neighborhood. It's an indescribable gift. And even though it's indescribable, every year I'm trying to come up with ways to describe it, because I'm a preacher, um, it's a losing battle, but it's fun to try. So here's this year's version. The King of the universe, the inventor of life, the breath of life, the one who is I am, who holds everything in existence and is Himself ultimate existence, the author of light and goodness and everything free and pure and brave and true, this everywhere, all-seeing, all-knowing, hugely powerful God decided to enter the mean, selfish, smelly mass of humanity and let Himself be killed. The Maker of light let Himself be swallowed up for three days by darkness and death so He could kick death in the teeth and go for the throat of Satan's kingdom once and for all. Light was hidden in darkness for three days so that darkness could be washed clean by light forever. Truth and life swallowed up by death for three days so that death and hell and the grave could be swallowed up by truth and life forever. And our guilt, our shame, our ugliness, and our sin all come untrue because His perfection, His purity, His beauty, and His holy goodness are transplanted into their place. What a gift. We can't describe it. It's His indescribable gift. So what does all that mean to us? He's Emmanuel. He's God with us. Jeremiah 17, he says, But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. Then Proverbs 5, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does, examining every path he takes. Hebrews 4, for the, Lord, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before His eyes, and He is the one to whom we are accountable. So this is kind of the bad news part of this. If God is Emmanuel if He is with us, close to us, in and around and among us, then none of our facades, none of our, the masks that we wear, none of the ways we fool ourselves and others, none of that matters. That's kind of the bad news side of this Emmanuel thing. What do you do, what kind of a front do you put on to fool everybody around you? And we all do this to some extent or another. You know, you... You say, "Well, I, I just, I'm just being real here. I'm just, I'm just being genuine." But are any of us really, truly genuine all the time? And I'm not saying this is necessarily an evil thing. I mean, if you are going through something that is seriously emotionally and mentally taxing, I believe that it is a kindness when you're around, say, small children, to go ahead and smile and let them feel secure knowing that they're loved and they're safe. Does that make sense? So there's, there, there are times when, yes, you need to set aside the, the things that you're going through. Um, but when we start to put on these masks, when we start to get good at hiding things and burying things, 
it becomes more than just being about setting aside the tough stuff as a kindness to those around us, and it becomes about it becomes about trying to be something that we're not. It becomes about hiding the darkness in us. And we start to get good at it, and we start to convince ourselves that maybe even God can't see it. And of course, if somebody asked you that, you wouldn't say, oh yeah, I'm hiding things from God. No, intellectually we know that's impossible, but the way we live our lives shows that that's kind of what we're trying to do. I have a tendency to be a social chameleon, and I've mentioned this before, but based on who I'm talking to, my my personality kind of changes to reflect who I'm talking to. And I, that's kind of a weird thing that I do. And, and all of us do it to some extent. But, um, you know, and I've, I've said this before, even my voice changes, you know, where I, my, my accent changes based on who I'm talking to. Um, if I'm talking to one of the old, the, the old, the old boys that meets at uh, McDonald's for coffee, you know, on early in the mornings, I'm talking to one of them old boys, and my Missouri drawl gets real thick. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, if, if I'm talking to uh, Rachel Painters from, she spent a lot of time in, in, in Minnesota, so I kind of, I kind of get that accent where I'm gonna go grab my bag and, and then we'll go. You know, like, and and I I don't I, I'm I'm not doing that on purpose. It's just something that I do. You know. And I wish a lot of you were from Australia because I'd really love to talk that way all the time. But it's not just my accent. I tend to imitate the people I'm around, and there, there's good parts of this. I can generally get along with almost anybody for a while. But the bad parts of it are probably pretty obvious to you, I'm sure. It was a long time before I really started to figure out who I was. I wanted people to like me so badly that I'd try to become like them, and it wasn't really very successful. Um, when I was in middle school, I'd do this thing where I'd... Uh, you know, I, I wanted. I had a lot of friends that were um, from the inner city, so I tried to identify that way. You know, and and uh, I in the '90s that meant the hip hop culture of the '90s, where you had huge baggy jeans that were kind of sagged and like ball cap backwards and just slightly to the left. And uh, picture, if you will, a scrawny little white kid doing the saggy jeans and the ball cap backwards and slightly to the left, trying to look like a thug. I mean. <laughs> Fortunately, there's only like one picture, and I I know exactly where it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and and so, I, you know, I, it took me a long time to figure out who I was. And you know, if I'm not careful, it's still easy for me to put on a mask. And before I realize I'm even doing it, I try to become somebody I'm not. And it's usually because I want people to like me or be impressed with me or whatever. God is Emmanuel. He's with us. He sees through all those masquerades. He knows who we really are. Have you ever had somebody that really saw through you, who saw who you really were, even in times when you were trying to fake it? Um, that, that, that's a really good person to have in your life, provided that they're a loving person. You know? But if you have somebody that can see through you, sometimes you'll dread to see them coming. You'll try to run away and hide. But it's a really good thing when there's a loving person who can see through the masquerades in your life and call you out for who you really are. And God can see all that. He can see all of it. 
And I've, I've told you the story about Mr. Durkee, the teacher at my high school. Um, good Christian man. He actually went to our church, had known me since I was a baby. And uh, when I was in high school, I did a lot of these things. I was being a fake. I was trying to be this good Christian kid at church. And then I'd go to school and I'd do all this other stuff like my friends did. And Mr. Durkee was always at the least convenient places to catch me doing stuff I shouldn't have been doing. I mean, over and over again through high school, I'd turn around and there was Mr. Durkee who just saw me do something I shouldn't have done. And he's never condemning, never, never called, you know, never yelled at me about it. He would just, and he wouldn't do it right then, so it wasn't like this passive aggressive thing, but he'd wait and then a few days later, maybe at church, he'd walk up and he'd just put his hand on my shoulder and say, I love you and I'm praying for you. And I would just like, drop my head in shame. I mean, as a 17-year-old kid, I, you know, he'd put his hand on my shoulder and I'd just be, oh, you know. And he wasn't trying to guilt me. He was trying to genuinely tell me that he loved me and he was praying for me. But he saw through all that. And man, it shows that my belief was not really where my, my brain told me it was. Because at that point, I believed that God saw me. I believed that God was everywhere and could see through all my masks that I put on and he knew exactly who I was on the inside but the way I reacted when I saw Mr. Durkee coming showed that I didn't really believe that God could see me does that make sense like intellectually I believed it but the way I acted the way I lived my life showed that I really didn't believe that God could see me all the time because I think God kind of sent Mr. Durkee as his representative to show me you know that that he did see me that that it wasn't you know I wasn't successfully hiding this from him and the fact that I dreaded seeing Mr. Durkee come in more than I thought about God seeing me do those things showed that my belief wasn't really where my brain said it was. So do we believe that God's Emmanuel? Do we believe that He's with us? Maybe you're not like that, but some of us have a tendency to split ourselves into our church personalities and our rest-of-the-time personalities. And I know, you know, sometimes you have a job that um, that requires you to definitely act different at at your job than you do at church. Like if if you're the boss, you don't come into church and boss everybody around. I you know, I understand that that, you know, there's functions of your job that are different than when you're at church. But if your character is different when you're at church than when you're at your job, that's a problem, right? Um I don't want to embarrass him, but I was talking to Todd about the the idea of law enforcement and how um you've really, I mean, when you're in law enforcement or say you're in um Say you're in, in some profession that brings you in contact with the dark side of people. Um, there's definitely you're you're definitely going to approach that differently than you would coming to church and approaching everybody here, right? But if your character is different, that's where you got a problem. You know, um, if your character is different uh, in your office than it is here at church, there's something going on there. We want, you know, we know coming to church is a good thing to do. We want to be good, honest, productive citizens. We want to be good people. So we come to church, and at church we look the part, but it's about church and about being a good person. It's not really about loving and serving Jesus above all else. So by, say, Tuesday, Sunday morning is long forgotten. We live for ourselves and place ourselves first because we forget that God is with us, He's Emmanuel. 
maybe it's even more subtle than that. Maybe we do our best genuinely. Maybe we go to church, we donate to the Salvation Army, whatever. We volunteer, do all the good things good people are supposed to do. We don't get drunk, we don't sleep around, we don't cheat, we don't lie or cuss, we don't text while we're driving. Um, Maybe. We don't do the bad stuff we know we shouldn't do. Well, for the most part, that's all true. Nobody's perfect. But it's about doing our best and being the nicest, best people we can be. And nowhere in our thinking is there anything that would indicate that Jesus came to be Emmanuel, God with us. We're fine with Jesus taking the wheel and we're in a disaster. But Jesus being Emmanuel every day of our lives, that's another matter. We live like the best people around, but it's all about us being good. It's not about Jesus. Our lives show that we don't really believe that He's Emmanuel. God with us. If we really believe that, we would live our lives as living sacrifices. As Romans 12 says it. We'd present ourselves to Him every day, completely committed to His purposes. As as John the Baptist said, He must increase, I must decrease. So instead of being about being the best people we can be, it's about, I want to give my whole being as a sacrifice to Jesus Christ, my Savior who gave Himself for me. So for us, His coming as Emmanuel has that bad news side to it. He sees it all. He sees all the masks. But that's also a good thing. Here's the good news. Emmanuel, God is with us. Psalm 34, The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right. His ears are open to their cries for help. I was thinking, I just mentioned that Jesus take the wheel thing, right? Um... You guys remember Katie Bruggeman. She still does uh, Joe's sermon PowerPoint slides and stuff. Uh, she's in college up in Kirksville. Um, some of you might have seen on Facebook, uh, Friday she was driving home for Christmas and uh, on somewhat icy roads, and this semi in front of her uh, spun out sideways and started to jackknife. And this semi was wrapped around her car and never touched her on the road um, coming down Friday from Kirksville. Um, like she said, literally the cab was on her right and the trailer was on her left going sliding down the road in front of her and she couldn't get stopped. But somehow the truck spun on around her and never touched her. Um, she pulled over to the side of the road and was just pretty much hysterical for a bit. But thank the Lord that he spared Katie from any injury and uh, that she's okay. Um, I wish she was here today because I wanted to give her a big hug or something, but... Um, they went on down to Alabama where, where her brother Jared lives. But um, the eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and His ears are open to their cries for help. For the record, Jesus take the wheel is a great life lesson, but not really a good driving lesson. You keep your hands on that wheel, people. <laughs> Lord can help your hands know where to go. You don't take your hands off of that wheel. Keep your feet off the pedals if you're sliding. But yeah, Psalm thirty-four, eighteen. The Lord is. Listen to this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. That is a precious promise. Zephaniah three, seventeen is one of my favorite verses in the Bible, and it's talking to the people of Israel. But the messages of those prophets to the people of Israel also apply to us as His people grafted into the nation of Israel. It says this, For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness. With His love He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. 
Isaiah chapter 43. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you, or I have redeemed you. I have called you by name, you are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up, for the flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom, and I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded theirs for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. God is with us. He's right here, right here in this room right now this morning. He's with us. He's close. He's closer than the breath you just took. He's closer than a heartbeat. He's with us. He never leaves us or forsake us. Never, ever. He is close. He's here. He's listening. He's watching over us. He's strong. He's pure. He's good. He's jealously protective. He's light-filled, loving presence. His Spirit is with us, and if we surrender completely to Him, His Spirit is within us. God is closer than our own thoughts. He's with us. And it's God who is with us, not some creepy, sinister presence. Not an executioner looking over our shoulders waiting to drop the axe when we fall. Not even a weak, positive and encouraging feelings booster that's powerless to help us. It's God who is with us. The One who is from everlasting to everlasting. The One with no beginning, no end. I Am is with us. The God, the King, the One who speaks and the earth shakes. The Lord of all the universe, the God who never fails, who never lies, who is never fooled, the God who can do anything, it's God who's with us. And God is with us, messed up, imperfect, sinful people like us, who like to pretend that we have it all together, but we really don't. We were born selfish, prideful, sinful, sensual, enemies of God, yet He's with us and He cleanses us and makes us better than we were. He comes to pursue us with His love. He redeems us, strengthens us, makes us new. He walks with us. God is with us. And God is with us. Even when terrorists threaten to destroy our nation, even when they seem to leave no safe places on the earth, even when economies crash or companies announce another round of layoffs and families split, or we lose loved ones, or our friends move away, God is with us. Even when the devil is shouting as loudly as he can that God's forgotten us, God's abandoned us, we're really just left to muddle through here on our own, God is with us here today. Because Emmanuel came as a baby in a manger, there is hope. He is here. When we walk through the fire, He will be with us. Do not be afraid. God is with us. God is with us us. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Emmanuel has come. God is with us. Let's stand, please. Lord, thank You for coming to be with us.
God, help us to know that none of the masks we wear, none of the ways that we try to fool everybody, none of that fools You. You see it all. You're with us. You know. But I thank You, God, that if we surrender to You, if we turn it all over to You, that You're with us. That You're so close. That Your power is working in us even. Lord, I pray that this week, this Christmas season, this year, for the rest of our lives, we would live as people who completely believe that God is with us. That we would live as living sacrifices. We would be about the glory of Jesus in this world. Not that we could be better people, but that You must increase, we must decrease. That we live as people who are totally committed to Jesus Christ. And God, if there's anybody here who knows that there's a distance between You and them because they've turned away from You in some way or or whatever it is, I pray that right now, even as I'm praying out loud, they would speak out to You silently from their hearts and just say, God, thank You for being with me. Thank You for never leaving me or forsaking me. I want to turn back to You. I want to be a living sacrifice for You. I want to give everything to You. Lord, if there's any of us that today maybe You've called us out on a mask that we're wearing, some way that we're being fake, God, help us to just admit that to You completely. Surrender it to You. Give it to You. God, help us to live like people who truly believe that You are with us. Thank You, Lord, for all that You're doing. Give us a good week. Safety on the roads and all of that, but way more importantly than that, give us hearts that are completely committed to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks. We'll see you all later. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.